This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. This is your pattern right now. Stop it. Don't continue to do this. Don't continue to live that way. The problem comes whenever an individual partakes of something like wine or any alcoholic beverage to the point that he or she is no longer walking in wisdom. They're no longer able to discern clearly. They can no longer walk circumspectly. He or she now reaches the point of abnormal. If we're going to walk right, we need to walk with caution. As Christians, we're aware that there are dangers out there, but are we being diligent and cautious about it? Are we being sure to not walk around with blinders on? What does our walk show about us? Does it show wisdom and discernment or foolishness and darkness? Over time, we make ourselves patterns that we can follow. It's time to examine those patterns and make sure they're pointing our walk towards righteousness. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 15, with part one of our message entitled, Known by Your Walk. Ephesians, chapter 5, as we've been going through the book of Ephesians, here in chapter 5, we continue on with Paul's teaching in reference to the, the process of Christian living, or our walk in Christ. Now, beginning back in chapter 4 and and moving on even through chapter 6, Paul gives us a multitude of life lessons, sharing with us how we ought to live our lives, how we ought to deal with sin in our life, how we should relate to one another, all of these things in these three chapters that he gives us. And as we continue in chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at particular areas of our Christian life. Now these were areas of of real concern to the Apostle Paul because he was in reference, he was writing the book of Ephesians in reference to some real people. You understand that, that, that Paul, as he wrote this, again, led by the Holy Spirit, as he wrote these things, he had in mind a group of people not unlike us today. They were a group of believers within a community, within a a culture that was fighting everything they could against the truth of the gospel. And so Ephesians was on his mind, the message was to them, and I believe that the, the concerns that Paul had for the church in Ephesus would be the same concerns that he would have for the church today. As we begin our study today, we're going to back up just a little bit into a couple of verses that we actually ended with last week. So we are in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to begin with chapter, or with verse 15. He says here, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So it's this process of Christian living or our walk in Christ, if we're going to do it right, if we're going to walk wisely in that life and in that walk, then first of all, we need to walk with caution. It's the very thing that we we looked at. Remember last week we looked at that word, uh, circumspectly. And circumspectly has the meaning or the idea of the, the thought of being careful, being diligent. 
being aware of what's going on, aware of your surroundings and, and your place in the midst of those. And remember, I warned you last week that uh, while you were here in church, we planted landmines all around the uh, parking lot. To When you go out, the signs are there, but you need to watch. You need to be careful. I warned you that that's what our Christian life is, that there's uh, plenty of opportunities to know where the danger is. But are we looking for that? Are we walking circumspectly? Are we walking with, again, that understanding of diligence and, and being careful? Our lives can't be lived as believers with, with blinders on. And I know that there is some reference to, to blinders, again, uh, shielding my eyes from the sin and everything. But what I'm saying is, we need to be aware of what's going on around us. There's, there, there's, there's too many pitfalls, there's too many traps of the enemy for us to just simply just walk through our day without walking with caution, without being aware, without being alert to what's going on. You need to understand that we need to pay attention to what's going on in our life and in the world that's around us. We need to first understand and then heed the warnings that are found all throughout Scripture. Even Solomon tells us back in Ecclesiastes, and I love these verses here in Ecclesiastes 2.14, he says, The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. What's the use of eyes if you're going to walk in darkness? In Ecclesiastes 10.3, he says, Even when a fool walks along the way, he lacks wisdom, and he shows everyone that he is a fool. What does your walk show about you? Does it show wisdom? Does it show discernment? Or does it show foolishness? Does it show darkness? Verse 16 there says that we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. And the whole idea there is that, that, that idea of buying up for yourselves opportunity. It's, an, it's, it's a marketing term that in essence means the merchant would go to the market and suddenly he would see an item there on one of the tables or one of the counters and it's priced extremely low. And yet he knows, because of his own wisdom, the great value of that particular item. And he sees it priced so low that he's going to go and do everything he can to get as much money as he can to be able to buy out all of what's there. It's that understanding, again, of the value, of understanding the use of the item. We know the days are evil. The days were evil back in the New Testament. The days are evil today. Then we need to add to the fact that we realize that the days are short. Because I believe these are the last days. And every day coming is one shorter day before the time that the Lord would be here. Are we redeeming the time? Do we see the value of what's before us in time and in the message of Christ in our heart? And are we taking advantage of that knowledge, of the greatness of the value, the shortness of time? Paul goes on in verse 17. He says, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be unwise. But understand what the will of the Lord is. So the next thing we see is if we're going to walk wisely, we need to walk with clarity. The term or the word that's translated unwise, 
doesn't simply mean that uh, you're not a genius, okay? That's, that's not what he's saying. It doesn't even mean that you didn't make it to the top 10% of your graduating class. It's not dealing with that at all. Some people, when they graduate on their diploma, they've got these cool little titles. One of them is uh, cum laude, which means with honors. Another one is magna cum laude, with, with great honor. Then there's that other one that says summa cum laude, which means with the highest honors. The word unwise, it, it, it comes from a Greek word meaning without understanding. But even more than that, it also has the idea of foolish. It has the idea of ignorant. It has the idea without a mind. It has the idea of stupid. Now you say, well, that's pretty harsh. I didn't use the word, okay? Paul did, led by the Holy Spirit. Don't be stupid. Look at what's going on in the world around you. Understand what the will of the Lord is. On top of the fact of this not being stupid, don't be foolish, the form and the tense of that whole phrase that says, do not be, it carries with it the meaning of stop an act that's already in progress. So in essence, what Paul is saying, you guys already are acting foolish, so stop it. Just stop what you're doing now because you're acting like you have no mind. Who is Paul writing to? Is he writing to the world? Is he writing to the lost? No. He's writing to the church. He's writing to people just like you and I. Stop being so foolish. Stop walking around like you have no mind, like you have no understanding. Stop walking that way and understand what the will of the Lord is in your life. Right in the middle of all of his instructions to the church about how we should live, Paul says, so stop being so foolish. Paul gives several very short but very pointed directives for the believers in the next couple of verses. It's interesting their placement and how it's all said, and it's very uh, kind of intriguing what all is going on there. But there in verse 18 we begin. He says, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So right off, if we're going to walk wisely, we need to walk in the Spirit. But the right Spirit, huh? In the first verse, verse 18, if we take verse 18 here, literally, the, the best understood sense of what Paul is saying, uh, he speaks against the abuse of wine to the point of intoxication. Now, this particular verse isn't a prohibition against wine, but it is a very powerful warning against its overuse and against its abuse. And again, the verb tense is the same as was found in verse 17 when it's do not continue to be. This is your pattern right now. Stop it. 
don't continue to do this. Don't continue to live that way. The problem comes whenever an individual partakes of something like wine or any alcoholic beverage to the point that he or she is no longer walking in wisdom. They're no longer able to discern clearly. They can no longer walk circumspectly. He or she now reaches the point of abnormal. It's not your normal condition. They now show themselves as fools. All you have to do is hang around folks that get a little too much to drink and you know exactly what that looks like. It's at this point that Paul says that that condition leads to some destructive actions. My New King James Version says, uh, in which is dissipation. The King James Version says, wherein is excess or riot. The New International Version says, which leads to debauchery. And this whole warning of, of how drunkenness leads into a life that's depraved uh, with self-indulgence. The word is synonymous with the idea and the thought, the understanding of corruption, of vice, of depravity, of immorality. And folks, alcohol and drugs alike are many times the cause of many individuals and families being destroyed. They're both something that can control a life. And many times without the individual realizing how much control they do have of their life. When an individual is in that kind of a condition, they're, they're no longer walking in wisdom because you cannot walk in wisdom when suddenly there's another spirit that's controlling you and it's not the Holy Spirit. They can't understand what the will of the Lord is at that point in time because that individual can no longer control himself. The wine or the drugs or, the again, the alcohol, the spirit now controls them. He or she can't see the destruction being caused because now their their vision is too clouded over. I believe their vision is clouded over both physically and spiritually. And so Paul makes this direct comparison Don't continue to be overcome with wine, but continually overcome by the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't allow the wine to control you. Submit yourselves completely to the Holy Spirit's control. So I says, don't be drunk with wine, but filled with the Spirit. One of the interesting things, too, to note is how and where Paul put this instruction in his letter. Because of what he says there in verse 19, and we'll look at that in a moment, speaking to one another, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody, there's a possibility that really he's referring to uh, a time of corporate worship. In other words, the church is coming together, and he's seeing these kinds of things as the church comes together. And he's very concerned about it, and, and rightly he should be when you see this. But you might ask this point, you know, uh, what does our corporate worship have to do with drunkenness? Surely no one would come to church in that kind of a condition. Well, I'll remind you that it was a problem in the New Testament church. As a matter of fact, keeping your place in Ephesians, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians 11. 
the New Testament church, many times when they met, they would meet and, and have, have meals together, sometimes with the, the Lord's Supper, but sometimes just in fellowship. And many times it was not only eating, but yes, there was drinking. They said, oh, come on, not really. Yes. Trust me, I didn't write it. Paul did, by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to begin in verse 17. Paul writes, now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you. Now you guys know if you've studied 1 Corinthians at all, that 1 Corinthians is not Paul's gentle, kind letter to a, a church that's doing all the right stuff. As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite. The church at Corinth was just besieged with all kinds of problems. And Paul is writing to them here to straighten things up. He says, I, I do not praise you, since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. In other words, he's saying, you're coming to church, and it's not a good thing. You're coming together as the assembly of God's kingdom. It's not a good thing. It says, verse 18, For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there's divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. And he deals with those divisions earlier on in 1 Corinthians. But he says in verse 19, For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. In other words, they're playing such favorites and there's a there's this division in the church and well and suddenly they made all these little factions these little groups but here's where it really uh comes into play of what we're speaking this morning in verse 20 therefore when you come together in one place is it not to eat the lord's supper in other words you're going to come together you're going to share communion together you're going to remember the night that the lord was betrayed you remember the bread the the cup and all that is significant in that but yet for them, in verse 21, he says, For in eating, each one of you takes his own supper ahead of others. And he says, And one is hungry, and another is drunk. Yeah, but they didn't use fermented grape juice at that time. It was just like, you know, Welch's. They left it out on the counter too many days. Verse 22 says, What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. Now, there's a lot more in that passage, but the one thing I wanted to draw your attention to was the thing that he speaks in Ephesians when he says, no longer or do not continue to be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul wasn't just throwing words out, this was very likely and most likely a problem for the fellowship or at least many within the fellowship at that point in time, just like it was here in Corinth. The church had lost the whole concept, the whole idea, the balance of what's known as koinonia, communion, fellowship together. In addition, during the same time frame, there was a culture that surrounded the church at that point in time, not only just in Ephesus, but in all of that area. It was the pagan worship of these multitudes of false gods. One of those gods that was worshipped um, quite a lot. The popularity of this god was high at this point in time. His name was is the Roman god Dionysius. In, in the Greek, it was Bacchus, but... His name is Dionysius in, in Roman. And he was the god of wine. 
Now, the worship of Dionysius then incorporated the drinking of large amounts of wine. And after becoming thoroughly intoxicated, the worshipers of Dionysius would move into all sorts of unrestrained activity, including all sorts of gross immorality. In addition, during the festivals, they would run through the streets and the fields, they'd run through the vineyards, crying out and just having a wild time, singing uh, even wild songs, one of the writers tells us. To kind of give you the idea of what goes on with that, Plato had written some 300 years even before uh, the writings of our New Testament. Plato writing in reference to those who worship Bacchus or Dionysus. He says, while those abominable ceremonies in the worship of Bacchus continued, it was difficult to find in all of Attica a single sober man. That same form of pagan worship continued in Ephesus, even during the time of Paul. And there's many that had been saved out of that culture that were now a part of the church. And I wonder, myself, if, if it's from this background of all that's going on, if we can really see and understand where Paul is coming from here. But understand this. They came out of a culture they're now saved, but they need instructions on how to live. I know that's how you worshipped that pagan god, and I know that's how you lived before. Beloved, you need to walk wisely now. And I believe that we could probably look at these verses where he says in verse 18, do not be drunk with wine. Almost fill in the understanding like those worshippers of Dionysius. But be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Not running around, not committing all kinds of wickedness. I believe that what he's speaking about is their time when they come together as the fellowship. He says in verse 20, Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Helping them to remember that it's from God that all of our blessings flow. It's God that has created and has sustained all things. Our focus, your focus, my focus, the focus of believers today needs to be on the reality and on the presence of God Almighty. And this is totally opposite of the pagan worship. Whereas pagan worshipers focused very much on their own individual cares, concerns, desires, appetites, the worship of God is a time of complete surrender, a time of complete submission to His will and to His desire. Let me help you to understand this a little bit clearer. If the only reason you come to church is to see what you get out of it, you're coming for the wrong reason. You're coming for the wrong reason. We ought to come together as a corporate group in order that we might worship Him in order that we might give honor and glory to Him, and then hear from Him His desire for our life. Not coming because, oh, they've got a, a, a great this or a great that, or, oh, I come because they, you know, uh, whatever. 
The whole desire is to come to glorify God. If we're going to walk wisely, we also need to walk, as he says there in verse 18, filled with the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. We come to faith in in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us, explains very clearly to us that the Holy Spirit, if we are a believer, the Holy Spirit now abides within us. The Holy Spirit was given to all believers as that seal, as that promise, as that guarantor of, of what God has begun in our life. And He will complete it. The Word declares, He who began this work in you will complete it until that day. That's the promise of God in the life and the heart of believers. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David will continue verse by verse through the book of Ephesians next time. Now, we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to TheOpenWord.com and follow the link to The Open Word Facebook page. To stay current with what's being broadcasted here on The Open Word, subscribe to our Twitter feed at The Open Word Radio. You can subscribe to The Open Word Podcast at TheOpenWord.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. The Open Word Podcast is always available and completely free. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to the Open Word Podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to TheOpenWord.com and subscribe to the Open Word Podcast. And to become our Facebook friend, follow the Open Word Twitter feed, or to access the archive of messages, Log on to TheOpenWord.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next study of Pastor David's teaching through the book of Ephesians. That's next time on The Open Word.